the case may be on this rotating globe. Tonight, I will be filling in for Richard C. Hoagland, who is not well. This is Kinthea. I'm the producer for The Other Side of Midnight. And I'd like to give a special thanks to my two ace technical engineers, Chris Spell and Keith Morgan, who are supporting me during the night. Thank you very much, guys. So this is that magical time between dusk and dawn when we find ourselves in another state of consciousness, willing to consider revolutionary ideas that challenge our programmed realities and to expand our awareness to new possibilities. And definitely, tonight is one of those shows that is bigger than life, literally, and you're going to find out why. Our guest this morning on The Other Side of Midnight is Roger Spur of the Mud Fossil University from mudfossils.com. Roger Spur is a citizen scientist from the semiconductor industry. Roger needed to confirm and investigate for himself all areas of academic dogma. He focused on molecules and electricity, how everything interacts and bonds and how the most basic things work. It was soon clear that dogma did not work. In 20, I'm sorry, in 2012, after some yard work, he noticed a rock formations that were anatomically perfect. He then began studying this rock formation and mineral deposits, and he realized that the geology that we were taught did not work at all. Roger discovered giant human soft tissue body parts and had them DNA certified and CAT scanned and anatomist verified. He named them mud fossils, all one word, because they were mostly preserved by continuously wet mud. Academia refuses to examine his unimpeachable proof or even to respond to his requests. As a result, he started Mud Fossil University on YouTube to expose the truth. Fellow researchers and students poured in with evidence from around the world. Together, they now study everything with broad research across multiple disciplines at Mud Fossil University, MFU. Roger is an independent researcher working with thousands to get the truth. He leads up a team at MFU where they share and discuss without prejudice, without gain of status or money. At MFU, they do not ignore material facts and are committed to finding the truth no matter how far-reaching. MFU welcomes other researchers and shares freely. Roger, welcome to the other side of midnight. Well, hello, Katia. Thank you so much. How are you? You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I was first turned on to your work by another colleague on the Enterprise Mission uh, Imaging Team, Andrew Curry, and uh, became captivated by what I found. So I would like to start off here. If you would just share how you first found your first mud fossil and the impact it had on you, and if you could speak up just a little louder, please. Thank you. All right. Can you hear me all right now? That's better. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, um, 
to to um, address the issue of how it all started, I uh, my interests have always been very. I, I can't see something and not understand how it works. I my whole life has been devoted to working on electronics, and I was a troubleshooter, and basically that's what I did in the electronics industry. And once you start to see how the molecules and the electrons and the bonding and everything works together, you, you, you notice things that most people don't really focus on. And, uh, you know, I, and, and of course, I've always had a big interest in anatomy and biology and all, every, bit, every bit of physics I just, and physics and every bit of science I enjoy. So, Having that basic knowledge, I was just working out in the yard one day and trying to pick up some rocks to build a wall, and, uh, and I had had a, um, a little construction work done in my yard actually 15 years prior, and they had left a pile of, of debris from the hole and so forth out in, in the side part of my yard in the woods, more or less. So I'm out there digging around and picking up rocks and trying to get enough rocks to make a little drainage ditch. And I started to notice very, very strange patterns. And, 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 and I all of a sudden realized that I had picked up one rock that was a fingertip. <laughs> I said, whoa. Did you, did you know it was, I mean, did it look like a fingertip? What, what gave you oh, a yes. sense? No question whatsoever what it was. It was um, it was about maybe ten inches long, and about maybe four inches wide, and uh, it was the very tip of a thumb, of a, of of a, actually it was a left thumb. I mean, it's it's that that specific. You could tell it was a left thumb, and the nail bed was still there. The nail was gone, but it was very clear where the nail bed was, and all of the different anatomical features. I know what to look for. And, and it was all there, the apical tuft and where the, uh, in the blood and the fingers, you I mean, actually in all of your body, you have the arterial supply, which is the red blood. And that flows down from the heart and the lungs after it gets oxygen. And it flows down through the body and delivers that oxygen as from the red blood, which is ferrous oxide O3 variety, has three oxygens. As it passes through the body, the oxygens are used, and you end up with, in the body, it's blue blood. The, the, the vein blood gets sucked back up to the heart to get more oxygen. It's blue. In the mud fossils, you have the red blood, which is the arterial blood, and then you have the vein blood turns black. So you're going to be looking for red and black or the arterial side. Sometimes the blood will blow out because there's no restrictions on arterial supplies to the body. It just pumps. That's why if you cut yourself in an artery, it just goes bloop, 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 it shoots all over the place. A vein is different. A vein has a valve in the veins so that the blood can only go one direction, which is up to the heart. It, it will not allow it to go backwards. That's why in the blood, mud fossils you find a lot of black blood. 
but you don't normally find a lot of red blood. The red blood usually purges out of the body. So at any rate. Well, wait, 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 Roger, before you go on, I'm like just sitting here on pins and needles. I mean, you find this thumb, this tip of a thumb that's 10 inches long. I mean, had you ever, I mean, did you consider like what size was the being that had this thumb? Had you thought that there were such large beings? What kind oh, no, of emotional no. impact did no, you feel? No, I, when- I was like a standard human being. <laughs> I didn't have any <laughs> idea that anything like this could possibly exist. So what was your what was your reaction when you saw something that was like defying everything that you knew before? Well, it was pretty it was shock obviously. It was like, you know, wow, I can't, how could this possibly be? And it, it it took a few minutes to settle in like uh but I the palm, the whole hand was there. I found the, the hand was there, you know, the palm, you saw that the palm yeah. that there. Mm-hmm. and then I the knuckle, and then I found some fingers, and and they, they just more and more stuff kept coming out. And this was and, at your place. Is this you're saying in your yard? Yeah, yeah it came out of my yard. I have I have some property. It's not like a just like a little yard. Uh-huh. But it, um, I, there's there's a lot of stone walls in the old New England areas. They, they, they so they you're in the of, New England area. That's where you are. That's where right, you found right. these mud fossils? Okay. Right. Yeah, but but they're all over the world. I mean, I have nothing special here whatsoever. Not a thing special. It is everywhere. Hmm. And um, the when I found the, the the finger, I just kept digging. I kept finding more and more and more and more. And, and I decided, how could these things turn into dirt and mud and rock when they were at one time flesh? Yeah. So, yeah, well, it was a very, that, that was where I had to start. You know, how did this happen? Because, you know, I, I mean, if it's there, it's there. But so you have to. You were convinced out. when you first saw it that it was actually that, or did you do some other oh, yeah, testing to convince yourself? It, it didn't take long. If, if you have, I have, an, I have an eye for everything. I have a little extra bit of a vision, to be honest with you, to see these things, because that's what I did all my whole life, is to have to understand the process that I'm looking at. Well, how did this happen? So okay. once I started to get into the chemistry of it, once I, I, you know, I could see it. Let me put it that way. I see it. I knew what it was, but I was perplexed at, you know, this is just, right at that point, I was stumped. And I'm thinking, how, how, how could this happen? There's no bones here. No bones. It's just uh-huh. actual just like your finger, you cut your finger off and you turned it into dirt and turn it into mud or you turn it into rock. It was exactly flawless. Flawless. Wow. So Amazing. I'm thinking to myself, how did this happen? Well, then that led me on a, a, a journey like you wouldn't believe. Uh, but to, to start with Yale and Harvard and all these other people, uh, let me... <laughs> You want me to speak to that now? Because that, that well, really... I was just curious. You had mentioned this incident on your porch with your wife. Is that before or after Yale and Harvard? Well, that was in the beginning. When, when well, no, I was when I told you I woke up one morning. I just felt like there was something I had to go figure out. Yeah, tell, yeah, and that red droplet. I I want the audience to hear that story. It just blew me away when you about the what. The, oh, the, oh, 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 yeah, the red, red. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got you now. All right, so here's what happens. 
So I'm out in my yard, and I, I at this point I had started set up a whole operation. <laughs> I had all kinds of things going. I had stone cutters and grinders, and I had everything going on out here because I just couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, she's out sitting on the deck taking it easy, and I'm cutting stones and looking at them, washing them, and trying to figure out what I'm seeing. <clears throat> so I cut one open. I wash it up. I look at it, you know, and the, there's nothing special there. I put it down. I go and do some other stuff. I come back a little later, and I'm looking at the rocks I had cut and washed and everything because they, they change dramatically when you put water on them. So, okay. you know, when they're dry, when you put the water on them, they, they actually come back to life almost. Mm-hmm. So, I had all they look like so- they're polished probably. Gives they, them a they, polish. Yeah, they- they take on the colors of, of life again. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've got them sitting there and they're sort of drying out and I come back and I'm looking at them. I see this one has a little red spot in it. And I said, wow, it looks like a little ruby or something. So I grab it and I'm looking at it. And I'm thinking, wow, this is fabulous. And I wash it up to look at it again. And then, then things gone. So I said, oh no, I said, well, whatever it was, well, it fell off. So, I come back a little later, same rock, got another red spot in the same spot. So I, that's when I realized there's blood coming out of it. Oh, blood coming. How old is this blood? How old is this rock that blood is coming out of it, really? Oh, they can be 100,000 million years old if there's that many years. And they're, they're How is that have- possible that the blood can stay moist that long? Blood has a different property than anybody understands. Blood is the most enduring product on the face of the planet. And DNA Mm. will never, ever, ever go bad if it stays wet. And and Mm. here's the process. DNA is in the hemoglobin, which is in the blood, which is ferrous oxide, a lot of ferrous oxides. Okay. Ferrous oxide is a transition metal. It's a metal. <clears throat> now, metals have um, have have a uh, a characteristic called chelation, and the chelation is where a bunch of molecules will surround these transition metal complexes. All right, so it's a transition metal that means it's it's an electronic thing where they can, they can bond with one single electron. That's the beauty of the transition metals in your body. Doctors don't even understand this. These transition metals that are in your body, uh, and you have a, almost 100 of them, everybody's supposed to have every single one of them. If you don't have every one of them, you're going to be sick. Mm. And those transition metals run around through your body, and they can pick up and deliver things in your body with one single electron. Right. What that means is that when you eat something and your body starts dealing with it and grinding it all up and breaking up these little, 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 little tiny bitty pieces, and it has to do that with enzymes. Mm-hmm. Enzymes are there from bacteria. And, and once your enzymes break all these little bits and things up, then these metals carry them around your body. And that's the metals of the transition metals. Okay, and, Roger. Hold on just one second. I want to let our audience know that on your page, this is the Roger Spurs um, 
giants in the earth, the incredible possibilities of mud fossils. If you scroll all the way down, there is the list of the transition metals. It's number 13 on that page. Transition metal ion colors. So right. take it away, Roger. Yeah, those that, and that follows the, the opalized heart there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, the, the key to the whole thing is that these metals are in your body, and they all have colors. They, every one of them has a specific color. <clears throat> and then and they, I have learned by putting water on these rocks and looking at the actual colors and how they present themselves, what type of a body part it is and what type, if it's blood or if it's fascia or if it's uh, the tendinous material or where the tendons anchor in the body, they all have a specific color. Is that because different parts of the bodies each have its own composite makeup of those transition metals? Is that, and so you're looking at that, that combination and then you're recognizing the same combination in the mud fossil? Is that what you're saying? That is exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Every time okay. you, you, you know, the, things will change colors. So you won't always see the exact same colors mean the exact same things. It depends on how that particular body part ended up, the chemistry that it ended up being preserved in. Now, I'm going to just go to the Great Flood because everybody's probably thinking, well, how the hell did all this happen? Because that's what got to me. I said, how could they have turned into rocks and there's no bones? What the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. So I, I, if after you know, it took me several years to do this to to try to figure this out. But and I actually made my own mud fossils uh, once I realized how what the process was. But it came down to you know just pretty much investigating detective work of how this could happen, mm-hmm. and. and I had to try to decide in my mind, what am I going to eliminate and what am I going to put in here to make this thing actually end up being rocks? So, and, and why are they on a surface, on the top of the surface of the earth? They're not, these aren't buried deep anywhere. I mean, I mean they, they are, but they're, a lot of them are just sitting right on the top of the surface of the earth. They're not something you even have to dig for. Mm-hmm. Every single rock, you know, after about, a month of doing this, I said to my wife, I said, every single rock I pick up, it was alive once. Every single rock. I'm not talking about one, two, ten, a thousand. I'm talking about every single rock on the ground was alive. No How is that possible? <laughs> That's and what I said. I don't understand. That's what I said. So, so I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, this is just bizarre. But I knew what I was looking at. There was no question. So... Mm-hmm. So here's what, I, here's what I came to understand, was the only possible way this could happen was for the bones to be dissolved and, and um, you know, transitioned into, they transitioned into what's called source rock. The petroleum industry. Source rock? Is that S-O-U-R-C-E? Source yes. rock? Source, source mm-hmm. rock. And if you look okay. up in the... Petroleum industry, they understand it. And, that, and the source rock is the, the marrow and the blood and the bones and everything. It turns into hydrocarbons, <clears throat> which are mm-hmm. the, the blood and the bitumens and the, um, 
you know, the, the volatile gases and all that stuff. And, and they, they break down because of their extreme chemistry, the Ca2 plus and phosphates and phosphors mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Very, very reactive in salt water, right? In salt water, they just, they dissolve, they go away. But mm-hmm. the flesh loves salt water. The flesh doesn't even know it's dead if it stays in salt water. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Yeah, the flesh, you live in salt water. Your body is just a bag of salt water. It's just about 7.2 pH. I and, see. And that's what the oceans are. Right? Okay, so hold on a second, Roger. Just just a second. I want to let all of our audience know if they go to the other side of midnight.com and they click on Roger Spurs show Giants in the Earth, the incredible possibilities of mud fossils. If you scroll down, number three, you're going to see a link to human bones dissolve in salt water of the ocean, which is explaining how Roger's talking about how the bones are dissolving. And then in number four, you're going to see a mud fossil lung that actually shows you blood in this rock, in this mud fossil, which is suspected to be over 4,300 years old. And... We will be coming back to this, but I want you to know that like a number six, you're going to see a combination of chicken that Richard, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, my dear Richard Hoagland, may bless him, that uh, Roger uh, made his own mud fossil with chicken and underneath you're going to see the close-up of the mud fossil and how similar they are. So, okay, Roger, go ahead now that they can see what you're talking about. Yeah, the... Um... It's it's a really it's a, it's a wonderful process once you once you understand it because and all of the your body is made up of of, of a, a tremendous array of minerals and molecules in fabulous organizations and you have collagens and keratins and um, these fibrous matrixes in your body that is designed to do a specific job in a specific chemistry. So you have kidneys that have natron in them, which is natrium, which is sodium, which is extremely caustic. And that particular scaffolding is going to be built to work in, in extreme salinities. Then you're going to have um, your kidney, you know, you've got your kidneys, you've got your lungs. That, <clears throat> your lungs are filled with crystals. Now, they don't understand this until they, they turn solid. But inside your lungs. What, what kind of crystals? When you say crystal, are they like salt crystal? What kind of crystals are you talking they are, about? They're, they're different. Well, you're made up of all crystals anyway. But crystals, I'm talking about quartz crystals and all kinds of like crystalline structures that have chemicals. in our lungs. Oh, oh yeah. When, when you well, every time you uh, breathe, uh, you're transferring in. You're bringing in oxygen. You're expelling all kinds of carbonic acids, which means the carbons in your body attach to all these different <clears throat> volatile or gases and so forth. Bring them up to your lungs, and then they're expelled virtually in the same process as like a catalytic converter does in a car. And I'm not kidding you. In your body, uh-huh. in, your, in my mud fossils, I have lungs that have 20, 30, 40 different colors inside the lungs. Mm. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, you, you saw that heart, how that had all those different colors. Okay, so so Rick, uh, Roger is referring uh, to number 12 on his page. It's number 12. It's an opalized heart, and it shows on the left a human heart, and then on the right, Roger, take it away. Okay, the one on the right is an opalized heart, and it is it, the, the structure of it is identical to a heart because it was a heart. Now, how did it turn opalized? How did it turn to be all those specific gorgeous-looking colors? And they are in specific regions, like the, the, the ventricle walls are a certain color, the heart strings are a certain color, the fascia is a color, the aorta, the, 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 the different transition metals in there, all kinds of different colors in there. That so, the color, so the colors we're seeing are the transition metals? Is that what you're saying? That is exactly correct. They're, they're transition mm-hmm. metals that bond with the tissues. The tissues, so what it tells you is the tissues of all of these different exact specific regions in the heart itself. So the strings, the ventricle walls, the fascia, the muscle, the aorta, the, all that stuff has its own exact chemistry. That means it's going to look for a certain transition metal to stabilize because that's what they do. They, they want to stabilize, and in order to become stable, it says, I want to bond with uh, 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 copper, or I want to bond with iron, or I want to bond with vanadium, or I want to bond with a series of different molecules that create a certain color. And if that color isn't right, it means that tissue is not healthy. I'm into the health issues of these things because I can tell more from health issues from my mud fossils than a doctor can when you go into his office. I can tell you more about a human body from my blood mud fossils than he can possibly ever tell you about your body. Are, Are you saying that you can use these transition metals to diagnose health? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I know this is a tangent, but if you're if you're able to do that, then are you able to, like, if one recognized that they were short of a certain transition metal, or can we do something to supplement to get that right balance? Absolutely, and this is what I've been fighting like crazy with the medical people. I'm not fighting with them because they won't talk either, but. Here's the issue. Nobody knows what is normal. You you have no idea what is normal. None at all. Mm -hmm. It's like like going to a mechanic and saying, you know, I got a problem with a car. And he said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, it's not running good. He said, well, let's see if there's any dents in the fender. He said, well, 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 how would that affect the way it runs? I said, don't you want to check the oil? Don't you want to check the the, the battery? Don't you want to check the... uh, uh, radiator fluid or anything. It's all, we don't check any of that stuff. We don't even know anything about that. That's what you do mm. when you go to, there's no clue about your health at all. None whatsoever. And, and it, this really annoys me, but here's, I'm going to tell you something here right now. We could okay. fix health. The health system would fix itself. What's wrong right now is that nobody understands health. When you eat something out of the ground, you're supposed to eat close to the ground where you don't have a lot of preservatives and additives and 
all these special chemicals. We don't eat those, and they don't just go away. <laughs> you mm-hmm. eat them, and something inside of you. You're either going to have to get rid of them, or you're going to have to have to consume them and make them do something. So that's uh-huh. what happens. In has got to go out. How does it go out? It you don't just poop everything out that you're not supposed to have in you. No, it, it right. does, and it does things to either hurt you or help you. Everything in your body. Now, here's the key: <clears throat> when you eat anything at all. And you put it in your stomach, your stomach acids break it down into little bitty pieces. Right? So you've got to break all these molecules down. You've got little tiny bits of molecules floating around. But they're acid. They turn into solid acids. So oh. when they come out of your stomach, they go into the lumen of your small intestine, which, which changes the acidity down to normal again so that you, it doesn't burn your, your stomach out. Mm-hmm. Once when, once that stuff gets into your stomach, the bacteria of your stomach, and you're supposed to have a minimum of a thousand different bacterial strains in your stomach, over a thousand. And they, oh my goodness! They attack the food that's coming in to to crack it into little tiny bits and pieces. That's their. How problem. do we know if we have all the bacteria we need? You don't. I mean, is there? There's no tests. There's no test for this, and there's no test for what's in your blood. This is my key. This is why I'm saying that's all we need is those two tests, and we can fix health in America. In, in a matter of six months, <clears throat> half of the people in the United States won't be sick anymore. I'm telling you, it's a fact. Now, here's, here's the key. When you eat this stuff and it gets into your intestines, if you can't deal with it correctly, you're going to be sick. Now, when uh-huh. I say deal with it, what do I mean by that? I mean Assimilated? That, what's that? Assimilated? Simulated. No, what do you mean? Simulated. No, assimilate. Oh, okay. Simulate. Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> well, you got to absorb it correctly, and you have to break okay. it down correctly and absorb it correctly. Then it has to be delivered. Then it has okay. to be picked and destroyed and, and gotten rid of. So how do all those things happen? It gets into your intestines. The bacteria attack it and break it down. And, the, and they say, well, what, what do we have here? Well, the guy's, well, the guy's eating a lot of meat, and he's eating this, and we got some uh, copper over here we got to deal with. And, and this is exactly what happens. And I'm not kidding you. The bacteria figure out what they have to create, and they're called enzymes, to go down and break down the, the stuff that you just took into you, hmm. which is copper and aluminum and zinc and cobalt and everything there is it's in the world you will end up putting in your body because the, the, the plants and the animals eat it, you eat them, and it's all part of you now. So at this point, you've got all of this stuff in you, and it's got to be dealt with correctly. The bacteria say, what is there there? Then they say, okay, I'm going to create some enzymes. Now, the enzymes are the most beautiful thing that's ever been made on the face of the planet because the enzyme <clears throat> has a specific job to do, and when it's done, it dies. It goes away. If it's mm-hmm. used, and it can be used over and over and over and over again until it becomes a point where it says, okay, I did my job. There's no more of this stuff to deal with. I'm going to go out of here. But then the bacteria has to make it again for the mm-hmm. next time you in this stuff. So that's Is that daily? I mean, is that like by meal by meal or? Yeah, every minute of your day, it's dealing with whatever you bring in, it has to deal with. Okay. So, Something in there has to say, I, I need 
a certain amount of this kind of metal and that kind of metal to be able to break these things down, carry these things around. Now, if you take antibiotics at one point in your life, or, or you're, you don't have the healthy bacteria in your gut, these things will get in there and they'll say, well, where's the guy who's supposed to come over here and break me up and, 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 and get me ready to go be delivered? He said, well, they killed him last month. The guy took some <laughs> antibiotics. They're all dead. So what, what do you want me to do? I said, well, there's nothing you can do. You're just going to have to get pooped out of here and just get out of here do what you can. <laughs> so, and at the point, your skin says, well, I need that stuff to make me supple. I need that stuff that that bacteria was supposed to create an enzyme for, and now it's not coming to me, so I'm going to be itchy. I'm going to be scratchy. You're going to be irritated all the time on my skin. It'll be a skin problem. Another so, bacteria may not be good, and you're going to have a problem with your eyes or your ears or your toenails or your hair. So how do we replace those bacteria? <laughs> That's the probiotics. Okay. Whenever you hear them talk about probiotics and, you know, uh, um, you know yogurt and <coughs> all that stuff, <coughs> excuse me, they're, um, those are the things that break down the, the, the stuff that you eat. Okay. Now. If you have the correct bacteria in your body and it breaks down those products and you're eating the correct products and not filling your body with crap from fast food and from, mm-hmm. from um, preservatives and all these different additives they're putting in things. Uh, and, you know, and, and the other thing that's really, really bad is this Roundup is absolute disaster. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, there's a, a woman doing uh, from MIT. I've been following her. It's it's a real problem. But anyway, this, so, here's, so here's my point. Where, where I'm getting to the bottom line of health is that right now there is no test at all that you can go into your doctor. You should be able to go in and give him a, a blood sample and a fecal sample. And or, he should be able to analyze what's in your blood, and there's a 100 different metals that you have to have in your blood. And if you don't have them, you're sick. You're going to be chronically ill. I don't care what anybody says, you will be sick. Now, if you, if you don't have those metals. Now, if, why don't you have the metals? Because you don't have the bacteria. All right? So if you don't have the bacteria, you're not going to get the metal. So if you go and if you don't have the metal, you can't deliver and pick up the products in your body. Case closed. It's as simple as that. That mm-hmm. is health. Now, we don't have a database for that. There's no database. No idea. You have no idea. You go in and you say, what's the matter with me? I say, well, I don't know. Take some of these and see what happens. Hmm. So, it's, and that's exactly what happens to you. Now, if you went into the doctor and you said, okay, I'm going to give you a little blood and a little uh, fecal sample, and then you're going to see what I have in there. And he might say, you know, you don't have any copper in your blood or your, your, your iron is way off the scale. You got way too much. And then when you go into the bacteria, you are going to see a relationship in the bacteria. It's going to say mm-hmm. you don't have any brocillus, um, drusillus, and that means that you, your copper is going to be way out of whack. Mm-hmm. Now, between those two very benign, non-interventional tests, you can pinpoint what is wrong with a person. That's going to be, I'm telling you right now, that wow. is going to be what, Oh, in there, that will be your chronic health issues. It will, That's it will amazing. Help. So I'm really curious now. You're talking about these transition metals in relation to health, 
And you've been showing us with the opalized heart how they are, you can visibly see them. So now I'm wondering in these mud fossils, and you're detecting these transition metals, are you able to diagnose the health of the creature that you're mud fossil? Can you tell from the balance of the transition metals what the health well, of this creature was? You not no, no, you wouldn't be able to do that because these these are being preserved in other conditions. There's conditions of there's um certain solvomorphism it's called and the, and the solvents come down through the soils and and the rain and whatever and they 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 change the chemistry of the, uh, the, uh-huh. of the so, so sometimes you're going to see uh, a kidney that, or you'll see a heart that's uh green actually sometimes you see them they're red and they're black and they're all these different colors and 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 uh and like the opal means that it was um, petrified and fossilized in in raw blood. That's why their colors are there, because that's all the colors of blood. Oh. And, and opal come from Australia. Australia is is like a scab. <laughs> <laughs> Australia is so covered what? with... It's like a freaking scab. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. No, when you... Blood in Australia... Why why do you think Australia more than anywhere else has so much blood? <laughs> it was like a bloodbath. I'm telling you, it is just the most bizarre. Ayers Rock is a heart. What? <laughs> That's right. Ayers Rock is a heart. <laughs> and I mean, I have you done have you done tests? I mean, like oh, no, I no. wish we put that on. Go, go, all you do is look up go on Google and put in Ayers Ayers Rock. And Google uh-huh. it and look, and you can see the. I can tell where the heartstrings are. I can tell where the the cardiac muscle has eroded away. You can see all these cardiac muscle places in behind it. I can see the aortas, all of the tubing of you know. If you, you just have to dig around and look, and I can see all the colors of the uh, the blood. It's a but heart. That's enormous. That's enormous. What kind of creature? <laughs> what kind of being yeah. had such a huge heart? Well. You know about the dragon. Well, let's not go there yet. Let's not go there <laughs> yet. Let's go back. I tell you what. Let's go back to Here, number I'm, one. Huh? I'll tell you right now. I the the ones that I had DNA tested right here from my property. Uh huh. Three DNA tests. On. One of them was for a lung. That was you. You saw that lung. It's absolutely yes. perfect. Uh, and 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 it was. And that in his items is uh, what is it down there? It's number fourteen. Actually, there are yeah. two lungs showing there. Yeah, one of them was um, DNA tested, and that was the one on the right. The other one on the left just gushed blood everywhere. It leaked blood all over the counter when he cleaned them. <laughs> the, the one that was um, DNA tested, that, that was a human heart, and that was about the same size as, an, as a normal human. I mean, a lung, but it's the same size as a normal human today. Now, okay. the other I had done was uh, the the fingertip that I talked about originally. That that I figure is right around between fifty and sixty feet tall. That guy. Now the the big. So those would be those giants. Pardon me. Those would be those giants that we've heard about in mythology. Well, oh, absolutely. There was more giants, and they were not puppies. Let me tell you something. There was the giants 
you know, everybody thinks that it's crazy, but if you go and look and see the evidence that I have presented, you'll find out the devil's tower is the foot of a giant. Okay, that's a real stretch. That's a real stretch. We'd have to put an image there. I didn't have time to put that image, but <laughs> let's just plant that seed. We'll do another show on that one because I have I have all that stuff on my on my. Uh, oh yeah, let's let's mention to our audience that he has an amazing uh, YouTube channel. Tell them about your YouTube channel. All right, the, the YouTube channel that I have now is called Mud Fossil University, and and that was a response to the academic community's total ignoring, ignoring of everything that they would hold dear if they had found it themselves. It's mm-hmm. all DNA tested, CAT scanned, anatomist verified specimens that cannot be disputed or, 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 or challenged. So they, they ignore and will not discuss and uh, Yale won't even allow me to. to Which, no, nobody will allow me to. Show okay, so Roger, that brings us to number one of your items, and again, the show to be looking for is Roger Spur, Giants in the Earth: The Incredible Possibility of Mud Fossils on the Other Side of Midnight dot com. And number one here, tell us about this uh, YouTube video. It says DNA Ancient Humans. All right, hold on. Let me just be sure I'm in the same spot with you. Uh, it's the one you were telling me where you took it to Harvard. Yeah, okay. Right, right, right. They, they, well, here's what happened. Yes. I, I went. I, I had all. I went to Yale, and well, I contacted them. They wouldn't let me come down there, but I contacted them and and I told them what I had, and they said, "Oh, it's impossible. There's never been a bone, a, a, a fossil found in Connecticut." And I said, "Well, I got them coming out of my ears." And he said, no, those aren't fossils. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, well, well I, I think they are. Will you look at them? He said, no, we won't look at them. I said, well, why won't you look at them? Is that your job? He said, no, we don't have to look at anything we don't want to look at. We're not, we're not going to look at them. And I said, well, what would it for for me to verify this? Oh, you'd have to have CAT scan. You'd have to have DNA. You'd have to have this. I said, I'm going to do that. And they said, well, go ahead and do it. And I said, well, okay. So they, they told me, I said, well, where would I get, who would I do it? Who would you take the word of? And they said, well, we work with the University of Texas down in Austin, da, 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 and they do the CAT scan. So I got a hold of them, and we got the CAT scan done. And they, they refused to even discuss it with me. They, 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 they did cut off communications as soon as they did the CAT scan. They refused to even acknowledge that I was ever even there. It was absolutely bizarre. And I attacked them viciously, um, University of Texas. And they actually ended up having lawyers call me and the police telling me to stop oh, bothering Oh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that. And, and, and because they didn't want it, they, they refused after taking, I don't know, I got to be honest, with you, I don't even know if they paid for the test because it was a, some other researchers I was working with. The test was 1500 bucks. They went down there and they, they delivered the, 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 the head that we were having scanned. And they scanned it and they just threw them out. And that was the last word. Now, the head uh, you're yeah. referring to, is that the one we have on the page? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The human okay, head. So, yeah. folks, that's number 11. You want to right. tell them about the head? But look, maybe 
tell some more about what you're talking about, and then we'll come to the head. Yeah. So, well, anyway, uh, all these tests were done, and all of the information was in, and and it was conclusive. I mean, it wasn't. There was no. You know, these were these were not like these cheap little tests, uh, DNA tests. These were done with ancient protocols and um, all kinds of special. Uh, I don't know exactly how they do it, but they 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 do all those colored little bar charts and things, and they figure out what the different um, CTAG things are, and 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 they they look for certain markers, and the markers they look for are. Um, what's called mitochondrial DNA um, sequences. And there's two sequences that they specifically look for that, that tell exactly what kind of, of a creature it was by the mitochondrial DNA, which is the mother's DNA, which stays the same for everybody. All, everybody has the same, this one particular little piece of DNA. If you're a modern human, it's going to be the same for everybody. All right, mm-hmm. and then you have the nuclear. DNA, which determines your specific characteristics. That is another test, very expensive, and uh, I just all I want to do is be sure these were what I was saying. They were humans. So you saw the tests? I mean, yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I no, I have the tests. I got all three tests done. Oh, you got the tests, okay? But then they wouldn't talk to you after you did the tests. They, nobody would talk to me at all I, I, once that was done. As soon as we had the CAT scans done too. And the CAT scans, they would not talk to us about. And the DNA, nobody will respond to any of this. Harvard, mm-hmm. Yale, Max Planck, or any of them. So here's what happens. So I just do a blitz of the whole world, literally. I send off this to everybody that I can think of that's in the academic arena that I have seen has had any, any work done whatsoever on um, ancient um, you know, creatures of any sort. Mm-hmm. And I sent to Max Planck and Harvard and Yale, which is, they, they, that, that's the worst school I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. I did absolute terrible. Anyway. So I sent it to everybody that I could think of and I sent it to Harvard and they're having this big study going on. It's called the uh, um, origin of man or something. The origins, they won't speak to me. <laughs> Nobody was speaking. Your ideas are too challenging <laughs> because they have no way to challenge. They have no way to challenge, and it and it throws them into a disarray like you wouldn't believe. And as a man, and I've had people tell me that they they don't know what to do. I, and, and these are academics, real, honest, true academics that have mm-hmm. been following my work. And as one guy told me, he said, "We don't even know what to do now. So we, uh, don't know what, we don't know what to do. How we're going to handle this?" <laughs> so, and they don't, they, because they're so far wrong about everything in geology and about our past and about every single thing they've been been, been teaching us is just absolute nonsense. And and they are they're frauds because they won't address it like like a stand up person would. They run and they hide. Mm. And that's what's no. And I'm 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 not going to let them get away with it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I got all this evidence. And it's incontrovertible. Nobody can challenge it. And they, they run and hide. So I started at Mud Fossil University. And uh, I'm going to challenge them. And, uh, and after I sent all this stuff out, lo and behold, about two years later, Max Planck and Harvard come out with this big thing. Yeah, there's DNA in mud. 
We find <laughs> DNA in mud. And we can find DNA in any mud that we want now. And they can pick up mud from anywhere, and there's DNA in it. And that's true. I know that. So that's correct. Because it, it, it comes out of the mud fossils. It is the, the erosion of body parts that they're, they're digging through to find scraps of DNA. And, and their process now, they're giddy. They're literally giddy about it. I mean, I think, well, on that, um, that, that thing that I sent you about the ancient humans. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's the number one there, DNA, yeah. ancient humans. Mm -hmm. it, it tells the whole story of how they're so thrilled now. They can dig around in cave mud, and <laughs> they can find all of these different DNA sequences. And there'll be plants and animals and birds, and everything will be in there which obviously they're there because the animals shed their DNA. Then right. they're going to dig all this stuff in the cave, and they're going to look for anything that looks like it might be a Cro-Magnon man. And then if yeah. they see that, they're up, that's it. We proved that Cro-Magnon man lived here. Mm. And they're, they're, they're working with mud and dirt that's rolling around on the floor that, that came in there from a flood or something. They have no idea about the things that do, they're doing. They're so far off, it's unbelievable. They don't take into account any floods, no floods whatsoever. They think that carbon, that, that carbon fixes when you die. And listen to this. The whole idea of carbon-14 is that they can say, well, the guy died. That means the carbon doesn't move anymore, so he's just dead. And then after 2,000 years, we can go in and take that out, and that means that was the same carbon that was in his body 2,000 years ago. Well, that's, to that's nonsense, absolute nonsense, because carbon never, ever, 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 ever stops moving. Carboxylation is a process where carbon molecules continuously move, and that is why the rocks transition down and eventually become quartz crystals, silicon, uh, uh, silicon dioxide. Everything will, 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 will evaporate. All the organic molecules in, they're called volatile organics. <clears throat> and that is what carbon is. It's a volatile organic compound. And it, it moves around with the transition metals. And that is why that heart became so specifically colored in all of those regions. It's like that didn't happen in, in 10 seconds or a day or a week or a month. That happened over the course of years, mm -hmm. you know, many years of these transition metals and molecules moving in and out of the rock, oh. the dead rock. Not fixed. There's nothing's fixed there. Mm -hmm. Nothing is fixed in any single rock on the face of this planet. When you die or anything dies, that carbon will never, ever, 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 ever stop cycling out. So the carbon you're reading in that rock could have come from anywhere. Plus, oh. it's going to be soaked with who knows what. It came from mm -hmm. who knows where. Oh, I see. Uh -huh, like a sponge absorbing. Right. So carbon C14 testing is absolutely nonsense. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And... And, and to say that, oh, yeah, we tested it and we came up with this date. 
I'm going to tell you exactly how they do that. And I know this is a fact. They can say anything they want, but they could, they're lying if they don't take this as a fact because it's true. They All they do is they take a bunch of different little places on the thing, and then they check the carbon-14 there. And they will get – every single one will be different. They will not get one that's – they're not all going to be the same. No way in the world will that happen. Mm-hmm. What they'll do is say which one here looks closest to what we were hoping to get. And if they have it, then they say, yep, there it is. And if they don't have it, they'll say it's inconclusive. That's how that works. Uh-huh. It's not correct. It's just not, it's ever, 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 ever going to be reliable. So mm-hmm. so can can we come back to the head that you found, the one that was tested? It's number 11 yeah, on your page. One. Yeah, it looks like a normal size human head or maybe yeah, even a little was. bit smaller. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually about, about normal. And uh, that that head was found in in uh, rural Kentucky, uh, Clay County, somewhere I believe, by uh, a guy named uh, Arlie Caudle. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a country boy, and they found this head in the in the mud in a bank of a mud. And uh, Jim Birchill, who is a uh, he's a historian down there down in Kentucky. And uh, he did a lot of work with the um, ancient Indian carvings and so forth on rocks and things. And he, he protected those. And, and uh, anyway, he became like the, the, the keeper of that head. And, uh, and uh, Scott Walter, who had a show called um, America Unearthed, he saw the he he was doing something uh about these these ancient structures and and showed this head on TV and said it was just a carved sandstone head and when i saw it i said whoa that is not carved that is that is uh that's a mud fossil and then i knew right there i said here we go i am going to get this one we're going to prove this is the human head and we'll 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 take it and get a CAT scan, do all that stuff, which we did. And um, and it has a, the head was crushed in in the forehead, and it has a knife wound straight through the top of the the head, and it's wearing a knit cap. So actually say they a, a playing card and it up between his head and the cap. And and the knife wound, can you put something into? Is there like a hole there? I mean, how do you know? How do you recognize it's a knife? You can see the actual pattern of the knife blade. It has like a, a, a diamond-shaped pattern. You know how a, a knife blade looks like? Mm. Stuck straight down. And you can see it in the CAT scan. It, the, the, the CAT scan was very, very poorly done. It was done done in Texas. Absolute terrible job. So you, you saw the CAT scan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was terribly done. And now, so then now from then on, we used Jesse Garant. Who Jesse Garant is um, the best CAT scan facility in the world. They okay. are um, it's called Jesse Garant and Associates. They're up in uh, Michigan and uh, in Canada, and they mm-hmm. they scan industrial equipment, racing car engines, and and all the stuff that I mean, a real real. I mean, this this is serious stuff. They did seven CAT scans for us, and uh, of all a bunch of other stuff that we had. Uh, and uh, and they actually did it for free because he and these are not cheap. These are you know, these are thousands of dollars per scan. They're not. They're mm. not 
This is all 3D, you know, wow, fabulous work. And, uh, and Jesse realized what what I was trying to accomplish, and then I was paying. I paid for everything myself on all this, and I refused to take any money, and I will never take any money. So this is nothing about money for me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now I noticed, I noticed on this uh, head that it's the forehead's kind of reddish. Right, that's the colors of blood. There's you, you see the red and the black. Yeah. All right, the red is your ferrous oxide O2 uh, O3 blood, which is your mm-hmm. uh, blood. And the black, you see the black up there, up at the top of the head? Right yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, where it's creased in there. That is a fractured bone. It fractured the whole bone. It looked like it got hit with some kind of club or a round ball or something uh. right in his forehead. And, and where you see the, the black up at the top, that's called bone black. And that is the exact same thing that happens when you fracture a bone in yourself. If you, that's called black and blue. That's what it is. Oh, black. okay, yeah. All right, that's the bone. It's called bone black, and it's uh, it's from the um, it's a, a ferritins is is the actual technical name of it, and they come out of the bone interior of the bone, and that's it creates that blackness and and, and it's bone black. Now the reddish stuff on his forehead there, that is the the uh, ferrous oxide O three style where it's the the red blood, and that's and it turns red and rusty and looking like that. So that's the two different types of blood: the, the vein blood and the artery blood. <clears throat> so. So from looking at this, or <clears throat> from studying it, what what age? How how old do you think this is? Or do you know? Really, there's really no way to tell. There's no way to tell any of that. Uh, mm-hmm. The age. You you just have to. You really, there is no way to tell. Okay, what's the least it could be? Like, could this be a modern man, or what's... Well, it's definitely a modern human. Uh, what age, how how long it would take to petrify into that condition? I would say... Yes. I would say you could probably become that... See, that's, that's Feldspar. And this was the one that I had to discover to try to prove what this head was. And this is when I started to do the chemistry and, and created my own Feldspar. Mm-hmm. because I, I, I needed to prove, you know, I, I saw the head, I knew what it was, I could see the transition of the blood and the, the CAT scan and everything, and then I said to myself, how the hell did this thing turn into Felswar? Felswar. Um, What's that word, Felswar? No, Felspar. It's a, oh, it's, Felspar. It's a, it's a type of rock, Feld, Feldspar. And okay. it's, um, what it is, is it's skin, really. It's the skin and, and, and uh, body tissue. Roger, uh, I, I need to hold, we need to hold it to the other side. We're coming at the break at the top of the hour. I want to let everyone know that we are on the other side of midnight.com. And our guest tonight is Roger Spar with Giants in the Earth, the Incredible Possibilities of Mud Fossils. And... Um, I'm going to just talk here a little moment and let everyone know I'm filling in for Richard C. Hoagland, who sadly is a little bit ill tonight. So I'm filling in and I'm really grateful to my tech partners over here, Chris Bell and Keith Morgan, who are helping me out. And uh, it's going to be an unusual show. It already is an unusual show. I'm just like, 
amazed at what's going on here, what I'm learning. It, Roger is totally mind-blowing my mind. So you're on the other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Support this broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 420 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Another way to support this one-of-a-kind show and our research is by donating to The Other Side of Midnight. And to do this, just click on the Donate button at the top of the home page on the nav bar. This is Talk Radio at the Cutting Age of Science and Thought. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll have access to a private chat server that member used to chat about the show during the show, and you will have a direct channel to post a question that will be read on the air to the guest. And you'll have a place to post questions during our open hailing frequencies. We realize that not everyone wants to call in live, and this gives you an easy way to participate in a live show without having to participate. Club 19.5 members can use this private chat to talk about the shows, ask questions, suggest new guests, And I may even pop on from time to time to answer specific questions. Also, the entire bridge crew is in these participating chat channels, so you can interact with them as well. You'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>